Hello, chefs. You're listening to Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about my chef kitchen pet peeves. Stay tuned. So before we get started, let me give you a little bit of an update. What do I have going on? I'm actually rushing to get this done because I'm on my way to Hot Luck. So Hot Luck is a big food grazer event that happens here in Austin, Texas. There's a lot of chefs in there. And uh, anyway, I'm going to go check it out, see what it's all about. Walk around, eat some food, talk some shit, meet some chefs, have a good time. Actually, I'm not even sure who the lineup is. Let me I should probably, I should probably know who's there. So I took a quick second pause and looked at the list of who's there. I, I actually, I feel guilty. A lot of good chefs there. Uh, just looking through the list you got here in Austin, a lot of my friends, you know, for me, Nunez, Kevin Bank and Tavell, Edgar Rico, James Beard award winner, um, John Tizar from Dallas, Misty Norris, Mason from Turkey and the Whoop, Masha Mabeli. Anyway, looks like it's an all-star lineup. I'm looking forward to going to that. And, uh, anyway, friends, food. Pockets for shit. Speaking of cooking, something that I have coming up that uh, I should probably inform everyone. I'm doing a guest chef dinner, part of Texas Food and Wine Alliance. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas on June 26th. Tickets will probably be live next week. I'll post it on Chef's PSA and also um, Texas Food and Wine Alliance will also be promoting it. It's going to be four chefs doing a five-course dinner. So myself, Anastasia Quinones, who's the host chef. She's from Jose and Dallas, great restaurant if you haven't been. Philip Spear from Comador here in Austin. Rick Lopez from La Condesa, James Beard nominated chef. So anyway, Illuminati chefs, we will be there. Um, I think it'll be a good time for a good cause, helping support Texas Food and Wine Alliance. So if you're happy to be at Dallas and you want to try some good food, you're going to want to go to that dinner. But again, I'll share more details later. I also just published the Bad Sue Good Chef book. Um, I ordered my copy. It's on paperback. I haven't gotten it yet. So before I go tell everyone, you should go get it. I want to see it first and have a physical copy in my hand. But the ebook is done. You can find that on Gumroad. It's on Amazon as well. The audiobook is being produced as we speak. If you're going to get the ebook, I should probably mention, I would advise you to get it on Gumroad versus Amazon Kindle. Personal preference. I think it's formatted a little cleaner on Gumroad versus how... Uh, Kindle slightly distorts it, but if you're a Kindle reader, I think you could download an ebook on Gumroad and also read it on your Kindle. So anyway, that's my advice. If you're an ebook reader, that's the way to go. And if you're an audiobook listener, give me some time. It's probably about two weeks out. It's being produced right now. If you're traditional and you like reading with your eyes, as they say, old school. If you're old school and you read with your eyes instead of your ears, the the paperback version is out. I'm excited about this book. It's a continuation of the leadership series. So the leadership series for me would be culinary leadership fundamentals, kitchen art of war. And then this one, good Sue, bad chef, or shit, I said that wrong. Bad Sue, good chef. And the format of the book is a conversation. I know I've touched on this before, but it's really good. It answers the majority of the questions that get asked to me as a chef. It's also uh, many questions that I used to ask my chef when I was on the come up. Inspired by a lot of the Cigar Sunday Q&As that I do. I think you'll enjoy the book. A lot of people that I sent the book out to, to proofread and give me feedback on, have all said it's their favorite book of all the ones that I've written, that it's the most applicable um, to everyday scenarios that they use. 
I will say it's probably my second favorite. I really like the Kitchen Art of War. I really like the Kitchen Art of War, but I understand like Kitchen Art of War is high level strategic thinking and it might not make sense to everyone, especially depending on where you are in your career. It's a really heady book and it's very philosophical. This one is much more practical and realistic to most situations that you're going to encounter in the kitchen. Like we go over like, how do you, how do you deal with managing friends? How do you deal with it when someone on your team is better than you and you're their boss? So I cover a lot of those questions that people have anxiety over that, uh, honestly, there's no books out there talking about. So I want to make sure that I cover it because everything that I'm doing here is really to arm you to be a better chef. Speaking of arming you to be a better chef. One last update. I should also say that the two audiobooks for line cook survival manual and kitchen art of war had to be redone. They were taken down by ACX due to an issue. I have to redo them. They're done. They have already been recorded and edited. Now they're just going through the approval process again. Um, so hopefully those will be up. So that's why that book was taken down for a couple of days due to the issue. It's being redone. Anyway, it should be out hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast or early next week. Uh, right now we are in the week of May 27th. So that's actually when I'm recording this. 2023 if you're listening to this in the future. Anyway. Speaking of making you a better cook, what I want to talk about today is kitchen pet peeves. At least my kitchen pet peeves. I used to have a nickname in the kitchen. They would call me Chef Picky um, because I was so picky about everything. And that's just how my mind is wired. I'm hyper attention to detail. I notice everything. Um, if you know me in real life, some people say I'm fidgety because I'm always looking around, looking up, looking down. Who's coming in the door? Sit with my back here. Um, anyway, I'm very fidgety in real life. I have a, a ton of attention to detail when I'm looking at things and that's how I run the kitchen. So needless to say, I'm very picky and I was very picky as a chef. And so I have a lot of pet peeves, but a lot of my pet peeves stem from just good habits in the kitchen. They're not just my pet peeves, right? You could go, you could go ask a lot of chefs what their pet peeves are. A lot of the ones that I'm going to cover today are going to show up on their list also. So today I want to talk about what are my top 10 kitchen bad habit pet peeves that just kind of annoy me when I see them um, as a chef when I'm working in the kitchen. Let's start with my number one pet peeve. And I haven't talked about this one before. So I have two videos that I've done on, on social media about like bad line cook habits. And, uh, you know, they're short and choppy. And I don't really expand on like bad line cooks do this. Um, but the one thing that I've never said, and I've never even done a PSA on this because I, I haven't figured out how to word it. So it, at least it's kind of like interesting because I think this just might be a me thing. But sometimes when you're in the kitchen and you're plating, um, and as the chef, you might be working and you have your spoons or your tweezers or your whatever your utensils are. Maybe you're using these things, uh, your fingers, God's tweezers, a.k.a. your finger. And you ask someone to pass you something and they pass you like, let's just say it's in a, in a deli container. So if you don't use the slang deli container, that would be like a plastic quart container with a lid on it. Or whatever the container may be. So they, you, you say, pass me this. And you, and you go and they pass it to you, but it still has the lid on it. That to me is like, that like this is my number one pet peeve. There's nothing more infuriating than when you're like focused in the zone, head down plating, and someone passes you a deli container or whatever and it has the lid on it. It's like, it takes you one second. Like I clearly, I need it for plating. You see me plating as the chef and you're going to pass it to me with the lid on. Like, fuck, that annoys me. I used to. I used to get, I used to get so frustrated with that. 
Um, anyway, I laugh about it now because it's like I'm chilling. I'm not frustrated about that. But when I was in the kitchen, I was frustrated about it. So nothing would, nothing would frustrate me more than someone passing me a deli that still had the lid on it when I needed it for plating. Like a bad habit. So it's like, you know, if you watch those shows like Dr. Scalp and you're passing things to the, the chef like a surgeon um, for all the things that they need. But what I'm saying is if, if you're ever working with your chef, there's a cadence that someone that's worked with a chef for a long time, like a sous chef and a chef or a line cook and a sous chef, like they have a certain rhythm, like they're just moving and they're handing each other stuff. And it's really beautiful to watch. So I have a lot of chefs that I've worked with for a long time and they just know, like I'm just reaching for stuff and they're handing it to me without even, without me even having to ask. And they know it's like the lids are off, the plastics removed. It's just set and ready. Maybe it's on a small uh, sheet tray that's already sitting on a little um, paper towel or serviette. So it's draining and then you pass it and it's like smooth. And there's this like kitchen karate thing going on. Anyway, point being, chef's PSA. If you're listening to this, take the lid off the deli when someone asks you for plating. So that's a huge pet peeve of mine. Pet peeve number two, gopher holes. Now, if you don't know what a gopher hole is, and some people call them rat holes, or it's basically when you get the plastic and you're like too lazy to remove the plastic from the container. So you pop it with your finger so you could like stick your dirty hands in there to grab whatever. Like that's so lazy to me. It blows my mind that the amount of time it takes to remove the plastic is like, you're going to save literally like one second to remove the plastic versus popping it. It's like, you're going to have to take it off anyway when you rewrap it. Like the worst thing, you've seen this before, right? They pop the plastic and then they wrap it again. So they've wrapped the popped plastic, like a fucking big pack move. Nothing is like, um, like, what the fuck are you thinking? How, like, why? Why? Gopher holes. Stop. Just stop. Don't do gopher holes. If you're a cook and you're doing gopher holes, like, let me tell you, nothing screams hack more than that. Stop doing that shit. My pet peeve number three is towel folding. Now, we've covered this on Chef's PSA many times, fold your towels. And it's, it's neat. It's orderly. For me, when I work in the kitchen, I have like a towel folded on my side. I have a towel folded on my station. Um, Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what you need. You need two to three towels on, on the line. My towels are always nicely folded when they arrive in the kitchen. Everyone let's have a towel folding party let's fold them. Let's put them in a nice little bin, put the lid on it, put them away. And everyone in the kitchen folds their towel. Right. I used to walk around. It was like one of my things. I had to like, like dad walking around constantly folding towels for all my cooks and they would look at it. So that's how I trained them. Like I would say, fold your towel and then I would fold it with them. And I would constantly be coming up and folding towels while having conversations with them. Um, and they, they just knew like, oh shit, here comes chef. He's going to fold the towel. So they would always keep him folded. Funny story. I wrote about this in the book. I had all of my cooks. And by the way, for kitchens that say we can't fold our towels, we're too busy. It's bullshit because I literally, I don't flex this a lot, but I literally ran the largest four-star hotel in the world with the most amount of employees and the most amount of revenue coming through it in a secondary market, which is Austin, Texas. And we all folded our towels. We all ran it like a high-end kitchen. And people would say, well, we can't do that. Like, how the, how the hell did I do it then, right? Was I just that lucky? No, it's just, you got to try. So one day I go into the kitchen and I want to test my cooks. I want to see if this is ingrained in them already. So I go and I, uh, I get some towels and I just kind of leave them unfolded, haphazardly thrown around. And the cook is watching me and they're watching me do this. And they're like, is Chef really just throwing towels like, holding us accountable to fold towels, but yeah, he's just throwing them. And I just was having a conversation with someone. I left the towels there and then I walked away 
And then one of the cooks, as soon as I walked away, came right over, folded them how we do them, so thirds and then in thirds and then stacked them up neatly. And I'm watching them do this and I'm like, they didn't want to say anything to me. It's like, oh, and I understand why they're like, we can't correct Sha, which they could have, but they didn't. But it bothered them so much that they went and folded them for me because they couldn't stand the side of it, right? I had, I had in, ingrained in the culture so much of professionalism and perfection, like that they were now starting to become OCD like me. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Maybe OCD is a bad thing, but anyway, OCD has worked out for me in my career. And I think, I don't think I'm the only chef out there that uh, suffers from OCD. And that's actually the secret ingredient that has made them better. Pet peeve number four. Wiping dirty hands on an apron, like just apron etiquette in general. Like you get this beautiful apron, you go spend all this money on it. Or maybe like in my kitchen, we'd wear, uh, we'd wear blue aprons and they're expensive, right? You want to treat your apron well, you want to look like a professional. So seeing them like they're covered in flour or they just have filthy hands and then they grab their apron, they wash their hands and they wipe their hands on their apron or their, their hands are greasy. So they start rubbing their, like, what's wrong with you people? respect the apron i used to hate that like i i told don't wipe your hands on your apron like they would know like don't wipe your hands on your apron pet pee do not do that apron etiquette don't go into the walk-in and fill up your apron full of onions and then walk out because you were too late to bring a container with you to the walk-in like respect the apron don't wear it to the bathroom i, I can't even believe sometimes that i gotta say that like don't wear your apron to the bathroom there's nothing more disgusting than someone who wears their apron to the bathroom, like, do you just flip it off to the side? Or do you, do you, do you uh, anyway, use your imagination. Apron etiquette. Pet peeve number five, not taking the tape off a container before it goes to the dish station. By the way, dish station, not dish pit. I like to say only vipers and snakes working are in pits. Like a pejorative, right? You, no one wants to work in a pit. You have to, you have the pantry station, you have the grill station, you have the, the dish station. It's a term of respect to the people that work in the dish station. So I don't like to say dish pit. I would like to make it a movement that we should stop saying dish pit. Start saying dish station. It's more professional. Anyway, digress. Not taking the tape off something, a container, a deli, uh, a sheet pan, whatever the case may be. Take the tape off before you send it to the dish station. Respect the stewarding team, the porters, the dishwashers. They're some of the hardest working people in the kitchen. And when you do that, like it's more work for them. Sometimes it, it, sometimes it's difficult to take off after the fact. It gets clogged in the dish machine and it only takes you a second. Bad habit 101. If your kitchen right now allows you to send things to the dish station without taking the tape off, change that standard. Make sure everyone in your kitchen takes the tape off before it goes to the dish station. Let's do better, chef, right? Let's. We can, this is something that's easy to do better. Number, number six, callbacks. So what this means, like, <laughs> when you call something out and you're like, how long on the, like, let's say you're the chef expediter and say, how long on table 20? And they say, working hard, chef. Like, nothing is more frustrating than giving some ambiguous answer that makes no sense. Like, when you're the expediter or you're, you're running the pass on the line, you're coordinating a lot of things. You might be coordinating the next table. There might be multiple cooks that you're trying to coordinate with for plating. And then you ask someone how long on something. And then they say some bullshit answer, right? The only thing that I really want to hear is a quantifiable unit of time. The time it takes for light to cross the width of an electron 
is all I need to know, right? Quantifiable unit of time, period. Two minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, whatever the case may be, 10 minutes. I'd rather know the truth than you lie to me and say working hard almost. Like the only thing that matters is time because there's a lot of coordination going on when you're running the pass, when you're working the expediter station. So remove that from your vernacular and only have time and everyone is better for it, right? The operation will run much smoother when you use time. My next pet peeve is shit chives. Like I know there's this, uh, this Instagram page, what's it called? Rate my chives. And you know, they're saying like, oh, this is a 10 and this is a whatever, right? I'm glad this Instagram page exists because shitty chives, it's like, it's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. Like shit chives shouldn't be on the line, right? You should know how to cut chives. And there's a lot of different tricks to it. Like maybe you roll it with a damp paper towel or maybe you put a rubber band around them. But the, the trick is, is just to care, check them and use a sharp knife. Like that's, that's the real secret when it comes to cutting chives is use a sharp knife, pay attention and care. But a lot of people will bundle them up and will, like I said, use a damp paper towel, whatever the case may be, but do something. Treat your chives with respect. Like chefs are funny because they judge other chefs hard. Like they're like fucking looking at your mise en place and they're like, other oh, chives are shit, shit chef. I don't know why we do that. We're, we're Chefs are very judgy people in general, right? Soignier chives go a long way. So shit chives on the line, like I'd get frustrated. Like how did this end up on the line? It should have been in the trash. It should have been turned into green oil or something else, right? But not, not for garnishing. And the reason that is, is because normally uh, shit or shit chives, normally good chives, beautifully cut chives are um, some form of garnish that's getting tossed into a salad or maybe into a sauce or something like that. So precision is important. Measure twice, cut once. That's the expression. Anyway, we digress. Next pet peeve of mine, 86 things after the fact. And what I mean by that is when you 86 something because you didn't count it. And so an order comes in, let's just say we're talking about a steak and then the ticket for a steak comes in. You say, I don't have that. And as the chef, you're like, why are you letting me know that now? Why didn't you let me know when you sold the last one? But, oh, I don't know. Okay, I've done a chef's PSA on this. Count everything, count everything, count everything. Everything? Yeah, everything. Literally count everything. Count every single piece of chai that you have on your station. You shouldn't be 86 in anything after the fact. It's like, it's like the mark of an unprofessional. Like it's amateur hour when you're 86 in things after the fact. So huge pet peeve. Count before, know how many you have. Like a lot of restaurants, they're able to put that into the point of sale system so they know like there's a countdown before... Um, before you sell your last one. The other thing I'd like to do when I was a chef is I would sometimes reserve like two portions before you 86, because inevitably someone would order it after the fact or a food critic walked in. We also had like the food critic portion, which was like the most beautiful portion of the day. That one always gets reserved for the food critic table. If they ever showed up, if it's the blogger table long, I, I don't think uh, food critics are uh, as, I don't know, do people still read food reviews? I don't. I used to care a lot about food reviews. I don't know if I do anymore. Hmm. Anyway, I, uh, I'm going to side tangent. I had a friend, I won't say who, but I have a friend that's a celebrity chef and texted me the other day and says, celebrity chefs are dead. They're done. And I'm like, he's a celebrity chef. Why is he texting me that? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, no one cares about the celebrity chef anymore. What people care about now is bringing money to ownership. 
what value do you bring? Like that, that, that is bigger than the celebrity chef. I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe I should do a whole episode on celebrity chefs. Anyway, where were we at? Oh yeah. 86. Next pet peeve, sitting on counters. As the expression go, counters are for glasses, not for asses. When I was a, a young cook, um, I didn't know, like my chef was, was pretty hard on me. Like I couldn't put, you know, sometimes metal stainless tables have like a shelf underneath, or sometimes they just have a metal bar underneath. I would put my foot on it and he would come by, like, take your foot off that, like stand up straight. So I was like, I always had to work you know, prim and proper. So I, I putting your feet on the table. No, no. Resting your leg. No, no. Sitting on a counter though. So one day it's after service. I'm just chilling with the cooks, talking shit, whatever. Post-service, we're just hanging out. And I happen to then, you know, get up on the counter, sit down, uh, ass on the counter. And so the chef is walking and he's coming around the corner and he sees me. And I didn't think anything of this, right? I was just a, I don't know, maybe a sous chef, maybe a cook. I don't know. I was young though. I was early 20s. And uh, the chef sees me and he says, get your ass off the counter right now. And like fucking yelled at me in front of everyone. I was so embarrassed. I jumped off. I was like, oh shit. Uh, he's like. Your ass is not sanitary. Do not sit on a, do not sit on a work surface. Like that stuck with me. Number one, because I was embarrassed with everyone else. Uh, but two, I had never thought about it. It's like, oh yeah, your ass shouldn't go where you're prepping food. And so people that have been in the industry for a while might remember this. If you're new to the industry, you might not. But years ago on Iron Chef America, Bobby Flay was battling Morimoto. Uh, Iron Chef Morimoto, Iron Chef Bobby Flay, they were having a battle. And at the end of it, Bobby Flay stood up, got on the counter, stood on his cutting board, raised his hands like he won. And they were interviewing Morimoto afterwards. You, sh you should look this up on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. They were interviewing Morimoto afterwards. He was pissed about it. Like, he's not a chef. He was telling, saying this about Bobby Flay. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, he's not a chef. He's not a real chef. And uh, I remember talking about that with my chef at the time. And he's like, you never disrespect the cutting board. Never disrespect the cutting board. Like, I, I, I understood but I didn't really understood like the tradition and especially like Morimoto being the man that he is like very disrespectful. I'm sure they squashed the beef. Right. But the point is like, he's right. That's cut in the kitchen. Cutting boards are sacred. Counters are sacred. That's where you prepare food. Uh, don't sit on the stainless steel table. Also don't put dirty ass boxes on the stainless steel table. Like those boxes are stored in warehouses on the floor with rats and feces, right? Then you go put that on the counter. Like, don't do that. Let's not even put boxes in the kitchen if we can. If that's an option, don't even, bring, don't even bring them in the kitchen. Last pet peeve for today is knowing something is bad, but deliberately deciding to serve it. Like, maybe you're the chef and you didn't get a chance to taste everything or inspect everything and an order goes out and it comes back and they say, hey, the guest said it's bad you want to taste it. And then you taste it. It was like rancid or something like that. And then you ask the cook, did you know it was bad? Did you taste it? Yeah, I tasted it. Did you know it was bad? Yeah. Then why the fuck did you serve it? That blows my mind. And believe it or not, like you, everyone's thinking, well, if that doesn't, it does happen. Trust me. Maybe you're a good cook and you don't do that. But the thing is, is like the reality is there's bad cooks in the kitchen. There's new cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes they don't know. And they will serve something that they know is off because they're hoping it doesn't get caught. It's like the path of least resistance. Maybe no one will notice it. I'm going to sneak it in. Like that is a huge pet peeve of mine. If you know it's right, fix it, right? It's unacceptable to serve something to a guest deliberately knowing it's wrong. Huge pet peeve of mine. Anyway, those are my 
top 10 pet peeves when it comes to working a kitchen. Trust me, I got a lot more. But anyway, those are my top 10 pet peeves when it comes to working in a kitchen, uh, being a chef and things that I would look for. Anyway, show over. If you want to support the show, go to chefspfa.com. I'm working on revamping the website. Uh, I'll let you all know when it's done. But anyway, I'm, I'm reworking the website. But go to chefspsa.com. You can find everything that we're doing there. The All the books, the new one, Bad Sue, Good Chef, um, Kitchen Art of War, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, Life Cook Survival Manual, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen. If you're a video learner, there is a video course on there uh, for Culinary Leadership Fundamentals. I go in depth more on food costs and things like that. I get a lot of questions on that. And of course, the merch, go to the, go to the Chef's PSA store, get some merch, support the show. There's a support button if you're listening on Spotify. I appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Make sure you leave five stars, nothing less. And hopefully you're watching this because now we're on YouTube and video on Spotify. Hit the porno music. 